The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. Bibles and go to Luke chapter number 24. Children, fourth grade and below, are dismissed to Children's Church this morning. And if you're a guest with us this morning, thank you so much for being here uh, today. And I know being in a new place can sometimes be a little bit rattling. Um, but you are welcome, and we want you to feel like a friend here and that you just stepped into a community of friends. And uh, we're, uh, we're not perfect. We're on a journey together. And uh, it's an amazing thing when you realize that Jesus is the only one that's perfect, and we're just kind of growing along and trying to become more like him every single day. And uh, today is a part of that, that growth journey. And so we're glad that you're here to be a part of it and trust that the, the word of God will encourage your heart today. Uh, inside of the worship guide that you should have received on the way in is a connection card. If you wouldn't mind uh, filling it out, uh, give us your name and, and uh, a way to contact you. And uh, just drop it in one of those black boxes on the way out. But we just want to say thank you for being here. At the end of the service, we do have a gift for you out in the lobby. And we'd like to put that into your hands if you'd uh, stop and meet with us. So we'd certainly appreciate that. I'll be out by the, the, uh, the lobby doors. I look forward to shaking your hand and welcoming you to be here. Thank you for being here this morning. Now, also inside the worship guide is a, uh, is a guide for the message. And with most of the verses that we'll be covering this morning. And I hope that'll be a help to you. But let's stand... Luke chapter number 24, and this is our final message in this series. Jesus, well, he just is, right? He is all these things, and what does he do? Well, we've, we've learned a lot. He comes into Jerusalem triumphantly. Jesus lives at the, at the next Sunday. He, he lives, he resurrected. Jesus meets to comfort Mary Magdalene. Jesus fellowships with those on the road to Emmaus, sharing the scriptures with them, all the scriptures, and showing himself in that. Jesus encourages, he encourages his followers and when they assembled together like we did he encouraged those that were fearful he encouraged doubting thomas he encouraged them he restored peter at the seashore of galilee and today he promises and he promises us a promise that he gives to the disciples there but we're enjoying today we are enjoying now the greatest promise that we look forward to is this that he's coming back to receive us and uh, we look for that day. We look for the, the sound of the trumpet. We look for the rapture to happen at any moment. And it, even so come, Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen? Even so come. And we pray that even that would be today. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? So we want to be active in these days. But here this morning, we look at another promise that he gave to his disciples. Verse number 44 of Luke 24, and he, Jesus, said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, uh, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. By the way, on Wednesday nights, we're going through what we are calling biblically literate. That's not because no one has any knowledge about the Bible. It's just because we're trying to improve our knowledge or increase our knowledge of the Bible. So on Wednesday nights, we're doing this. We've just come through uh, overviewing Genesis and Exodus, these books of Moses. Well, Jesus is all over it. I mean, he's just all over those pages. And be with us on this Wednesday night as we continue in that. So he says, hey, I'm, I've been talking to you about this. I am the fulfillment of all that you see in the law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms, and so on. Verse 45, then he opened, he opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. They can put it all together. He did that for them. Spiritual understanding, that's what we need today. Verse 46, and he said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. This is why. 
It's been written in the scriptures. It's been prophesied. That's why this has all happened. Verse 48, and ye are witnesses of these things. Say that with me. And ye are witnesses of these things. And you say, Pastor, you jumped a verse. Yes, I did. Verse 47, and that repentance and remission of sins should be um, preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Now read verse 48 with me. And ye are witnesses of these things, and we are too. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be, what? Endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. I would have loved to have seen that. And it came to pass that while he blessed them, he parted from them and carried up into heaven, and they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were, what? Continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. And all God's people said, Amen. Now think about that. They were continually in the temple praising God. This radically changed the way that they oriented their lives. Everything became oriented around Jesus and praising him and worshiping him and declaring him. What an amazing, amazing end to the book of Luke. And you pick up, Luke also wrote the book of Acts, and that's what we've been studying through. And he picks up right there, talks a little bit more about the ascension of Jesus back to heaven talks about the power that they would, um, they would receive, and we'll talk about that today. But we're talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit. You may be seated, and let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us today. And Lord, we thank you that you've told us and instruct us, instructed us in such a practical way to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And Lord, we, once again, we just do that. And I pray that you would bring calm through the person of the Lord Jesus, I pray that you would empower your witnesses there in that city, those that have trusted you. And I pray that, Lord, you would give them opportunities to declare your name, declare who you are as the, as the Messiah that already has come and is now we're waiting your, your coming for all those that believe on you. And so I pray that you would just empower um, Brother Hartman and, and uh, the Freedmans and, and uh, others that are in that city, in that country, witnessing and declaring your name. Oh, Lord, give them, give them great grace today, we pray. We pray now for us. We need your help. Lord, we need to believe this matter of, of the promise of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we need, to, we need to recognize today, we need you to open up the eyes of our understanding to help us to realize that this is a promise that we get to enjoy today. And that, Lord, apart from the, the promise of the Holy Spirit, we are dead in the water. We are powerless. Lord, we're powerless over our sin. We're powerless over addiction. We're powerless over depression. We're powerless over anxiety. We're powerless over fear. Like all these things, Lord, that come up in our lives, we need your Holy Spirit. So, Lord, I pray that you would teach us this morning. Be our guide. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we enter this message, I'm aware that the Holy Spirit uh, is a topic that sometimes people feel like maybe a little bit mystical. But I want you to know that it's, it's all over the New Testament. It is a doctrine that's, that's very important for us to understand. And I also recognize this. I'm not going to exhaust the topic of the Holy Spirit because you can't exhaust God, amen? Right, you can't exhaust him. And he is the third member of the, of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. There are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, 
the Word, being Christ, and the Holy Ghost. These three are one. And so we need to understand that this morning. It's a huge topic, and I encourage you uh, not to allow others that have accentuated or overemphasized or uh, misinterpreted the doctrine of the Holy Spirit to rob you of the blessed ministry of the Holy Spirit. We sang the Comforter has come. How many of you knew that song before we sang it this morning? Okay, there was a few of you. How many say, I, I was lost. I was just totally lost in that song. All right, that's fine. But you, you did catch, the comforter has come. We believe in the fact that the comforter, the Holy Spirit, has come to earth. He is living with us. There's many other songs that we can sing that declare that. It's a wonderful, wonderful truth. We need it very desperately. Now, let's just set the stage a little bit. 40 days after the resurrection. So that's where we are on this moment. We're 40 days after the resurrection. When we started this series, I said, we're going we're gonna to take about 40 days. I think actually uh, it would have been maybe Friday, I think is the actual 40th, uh, 40th day since Easter, if I, if I have that right. I might be just off uh, by a, a day or so. But we're, we're, we're on the 40th day after the resurrection. Jesus is about ready to return to his, his father. Now just imagine he's walked with these disciples for three years. He's been on earth for 33 years. He has spent much time with these men in specific, these 11 men and others, but they, were, they had gotten used to being around. Three years is a, is a good amount of time, and you form relationships during that time. And so they were very dependent on Jesus, as you would understand, and as they should be. And so you can just imagine, as he would be lifted up and out of sight, as he would ascend to his father, that there would be a... Uh, there would be a deep realization in their hearts, we're missing something, we're losing something here today, and that's a problem for us. How are we going to go forward in our lives as followers of Jesus without Jesus being here? Now, Jesus had, for the past couple of weeks in their lives, he had been, or I should say, a couple of months, he had been really zoning in on this matter of the, the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's coming. John 14 through 16, which we're going to we're going to highlight some verses out of there, and that's why the message guide will really help you because we're not in one passage this morning. Uh, he's, going to, he's going to teach them specifically in John 14 through 16 about the coming ministry of the Holy Spirit and how that it would be super important to them because they would not be able to go on in life without him. They would not be able to live a successful, triumphant, joyful, loving Christian life if they did not know the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You say, well... I've read through the New Testament. I haven't noticed a whole lot about the Holy Spirit. Uh, I want us to realize that the Holy Spirit uh, comes up multiple, multiple times throughout the, throughout the New Testament. It's a great study, but it's going to come up in, in several different words. There's different names or different allusions to the Holy Spirit, and I give you him, them here. Advocate, uh, comforter, the comforter, counselor, helper, Holy Ghost. What's the difference? It's, we're talking about the same a member of the God, uh, Godhead, uh, seven spirits of God, as we see over in uh, see over in uh, in Revelation, as we just come through the letters to the to the seven churches. Pentecost is dealing with the coming of the Holy Spirit. Pentecost, fifty days after the resurrection, when the Holy Spirit came uh, upon the church and empowered them. Uh, the Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of grace, the Spirit of the Lord, the Teacher. Isn't that a great one? The Teacher. How many teachers do we have in here this morning? Aren't you thankful for the teacher, the Holy Spirit, who is all of our teacher? You never stop going to school as a believer. You know that, right? 
Never stop going to school. We're always being taught every day. The Holy Spirit intends to teach you something today. I trust that we all hear his lessons. So the Holy Spirit is promised to these disciples on this 40th day, moments before Jesus is taken up into heaven, moments before he takes his rightful position at the right hand of the Father, where he is right now preparing a place for us. And by the way, he's not lost track of one thing. Not one thing. He is there in a seat of authority. Praise God. And that's our, that's our Savior, that's our Jesus. He's coming back very, very soon. And so Jesus has been teaching them about the Holy Spirit very methodically. He's been guiding them along. But like you and me, we miss, miss lessons. And so the last, the last thing he talks to them about is by, oh, oh yeah, remember this one. Don't forget this. It's like when we are going away from our kids. Don't forget this. I, I told you this, but remember this in specific. And it's an important thing. Right before he leaves, he's reminding them, I've taught you about this, but I want you to remember, I'm sending the promise of the Father. Go back to Jerusalem, wait for the promise of the Father. So what's this promise all about? Could they go on without it? No, they needed the Holy Spirit. In fact, he says, go back to Jerusalem and wait. And they ended up waiting 10 days. They would not be able to be successful in their ministries, in their call to preach and their declaration of Jesus Christ within the city without the promise of the Holy Spirit. So he says, go back and wait. Listen, without the promise of the Holy Spirit, the church is dead in the water. You and I, are, we, we are powerless in this world. We need Jesus Christ. We need his spirit uh, indwelling us, and praise God he does, but uh, we need his influence and his ministry in our lives. And so we're going to learn about this promise this morning in, in three particular parts. I've divided it in that way, and by no means is this exhaustive. I, I want you to understand that. I hope that it whets your appetite and that you'll go back and do some more study, and that we'll get some more times together uh, as, as we have time in this place in the future. But I want us to notice this promise that Jesus was giving to them was, first of all, as he taught them in John chapter 14, was a promise of comfort. A promise of comfort. Now think about this. He says, in John 14, 16, and I will pray the Father. Does Jesus always get his prayers answered? Are you sure about that? Hello, church? Yes, yes. So praise the Lord, amen. If he's praying for it, it's gonna happen. So I will pray the Father, and he shall, what? Give you another comforter. Now, it's a, it, in your Bibles, it's going to be a capital, a capital C. This is talking about the comforter, the Holy Ghost himself. Now, the comforter is the idea of an advocate, a person who acts as a spokesman, a representative uh, of someone else's policy. He's there acting as a representative of God within our lives on Christ's behalf. He's there working in ministry and working in our lives on the behalf of Christ. Now, how does he comfort? How would he give comfort to the disciples? And Jesus talked about that. John 14, 16. I will pray you, uh, pray the Father, he shall give you another comforter. What's he going to do? That he may abide with you forever. That he may abide with you forever. Now, think about this. Part of his comfort to you and to me is a, the comfort of constant companionship. Man, much of the reason a person will get married is for companionship, right? I, I want a lifelong partner. In fact, the Bible says in the book of Genesis, when God looked at Adam after he just created him, he says, it's not good that man should be what? All right, guys? Not good, right? And that's a good place for you guys to say, amen, all right? Not good. And uh, afterwards, he created woman, gave, gave Eve to Adam. God specifically had a lady that he created for Adam. 
By the way, I believe that's still how he works today. He has a person for your life. You should trust him for that, especially if, if you're not married yet. You should trust God for that, that person, to bring that person into your life. And so he, afterwards, he says, after he created woman, he looks at creation and he says, it's very good. Before, before woman, it was good, but after creation, it was, or after her creation, it was very good. And all you ladies say, amen. Isn't that sweet? What a blessed God that we have. And so I just want us to understand that companionship is important to us. This isn't another human being our company. Uh, Jesus isn't saying, I'm sending someone that's going to live for 70 years to, to, um, to be your, your co- company. That's not the great comfort. This, this one is going to be with you all the time that he may abide with you forever, John 14, 16. It is the believer's comforter. He says in John 14, 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Do you realize this morning as I preach, perhaps there's people here that do not, have not yet accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Do you realize this morning the Bible says that you cannot receive the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Holy Spirit, until you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. The world, the lost man, those that have not believed on Jesus cannot yet receive the Holy Spirit. He says, even the Spirit of truth who the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, uh, neither knoweth him. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 14, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. So that still small voice in your life that tells you, don't do that, say this, uh, that was unkind, you need to go get right with that person, the lost man does not have. Which, by the way, we should not expect them to act like saved people. Do you understand that? So as we go throughout our daily life and we get annoyed when the lost person acts like a lost person, they don't have the Holy Spirit of God in them saying, do this, do that, don't do this, be kind, be gracious, watch your words. They don't have any of that. They don't know how to act. The Holy Spirit is not, is not guiding them in that way. They cannot receive that from the Holy Spirit. And so, in fact, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.14 that spiritual things are foolishness to them. Do you know what the world does not understand why we're gathered here this morning? This is foolish. Pure foolishness. Why would you waste a perfectly good weekend and going to church? It's foolishness. But to us, boy, it's our lifeblood. I need this. I need this gathering, don't you? I need this. That's why you're here today. So it's by the Spirit of God that we have a companion as a believer, but it's not just a companion, it's an indwelling companion. Now think about this, in John 14, 17, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, now notice, and shall be in you. He shall be in you. And it's different in this case than what, what had happened in the Old Testament. I want us just to think about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was not created in the New Testament. He's always been. In fact, when you find when you look back into Genesis chapter number one, you see the Spirit of God. Immediately in the first verses of, of on the, the face of the deep, that he is there, he is present in, in creation even. So the Holy Spirit exists eternally and is preexistent um, before, before time and will always be existent because he is God. He is eternally existent. He is God. And so as we think about that, he is, in the Old Testament, his ministry was specifically to come upon believers for acts of service. Now, I, wanna, I want you just to think about that. As Think about King Saul for a moment this morning, the first king of Israel. The Bible says when, when God called him and anointed him to be king, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit came upon him. And he was specifically assigned 
uh, to be the king of Israel. They chose him, but God, God anointed him, gave him the Holy Spirit. Uh, he, he became energized uh, to do the work of the Lord, to follow, uh, follow the commandments of the Lord and to lead Israel in a right way. He came upon him. But there was a point, there was a time when the Holy Spirit left Saul. Why? Because he went against, he went against the word of the Lord. He, he started to disobey, go his own way, be willful. He even uh, got as far, at, uh, not just his disobedience and, and uh, bringing judgment, God's judgment upon the uh, Amalekites, but uh, he, he, uh, he went to witches and started seeking, seeking things from them, and it was just quite a, quite a story. But the fact of the matter is, the Holy Spirit left him. You say, well, can the Holy Spirit leave me? No. As a believer, no. The Holy Spirit and the Old Testament came upon a believer in God for, for service and would come and go. That's why David prayed, and let not thy Holy Spirit leave me, right? He prayed about that, and he sought the constant presence of the Holy Spirit. He wanted that. Now, in the New Testament, what, what Jesus is saying here in verse number 17, he's going to be with you, and then he goes a little bit further, and shall be in you. And so the Holy Spirit indwells the New Testament believer for life, for life. Now, as we sung the song, um, this morning, channels only, uh, f- there was the phrase in there that says, and fill now with thy spirit. There is a difference between the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit. We will touch on that in a little bit, but there's a difference between those two things. The indwelling is a permanent thing. He comes in and takes up residence. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. So that's why even in, in, in how we, we refer to this, this room, this is not the sanctuary of the Holy Spirit of God. This room is not. I'm not going to take up, you know, have a big case about people calling an auditorium a sanctuary, but one of the reasons I don't refer to this room as a sanctuary is because it is, it's not the Holy Spirit of God. You are the Holy Spirit of God. You are the sanctuary of God. That's an amazing thing right there. I mean, uh, think, about, think, about, think about yourself and think about the fact that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God, which behooves us to live a, a righteous holy life. So he indwells the believer. He comes into our life. And he is there for life. He never leaves us. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 5 and 6, he never leaves us, nor does he forsake us. The Bible says in Ephesians 1 and verse number 13, in whom, Jesus, you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also after that you believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now think about that. You were sealed. You were marked with the Holy Spirit of promise. You were uh, I don't know any better way to describe it, but like a king's seal. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. He came into your life. The presence of the Holy Spirit is an absolute indicator of your salvation, of your, your being a son or, or daughter of God. And so that, that conviction that is there, the, the, the still small voice, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit is, a, is an acknowledgement of the, the Holy Spirit or of salvation in your life and of, of God's working in your life um, by the Holy Spirit. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And then it goes on to say in verse number 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. What's the earnest of our inheritance? It's the down payment. Do you know that right now, believers, this is going to blow your mind, right? Everything Jesus has in God because you're in Christ, you are heir to everything Jesus has. 
Now, I know, I, I know we, we, we say that type of stuff. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the king, and we, we'd be like, oh, yeah, that's, that's great. No, 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 no. Friends, do you realize, you realize everything Jesus has, you have. That's your inheritance. And what God is saying is the Holy Spirit's presence and indwelling in your life is the down payment, the earnest money of that. It's God saying everything that Jesus has, he's at the right hand of the Father, he's in the presence of the Father. Everything he has, all the eternal riches are yours, and the, um, the Holy Spirit is my down payment to the, uh, the saying to you, it's coming, it's coming, it's yours. What an, amazing, what an amazing God we have to give us the Holy Spirit in that way. So he indwells us. He's never going to leave us nor forsake us. That's why we don't even have to be covetous. Don't we live in a covetous world? A greedy world? Yes, yes, in fact, we do. But the Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not what want. And then over in Hebrews 13, in verse number uh, 5, it says, don't let your conversation... Be, uh, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, this is the reason you should not be covetous. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I'll never leave you. So don't be covetous. You have everything you need. You have all the eternal riches of heaven at your disposal. You have everything that Christ has at your disposal. The Holy Spirit is there. He's the down payment of that. You don't need to, you don't need to act like you are lacking anything. That's why you can be content tomorrow, even if you have bills to pay. You can be content. I have the Holy Spirit. He's telling me over and over, reassuring me day by day, moment by moment, second by second, I'm God's. I belong to him. I'm going to heaven. I can't wait for the trumpet to sound. Oh, what a wonderful thing God has given to us. So he gives us this constant companion. companion. But he also, in that, speaks to us. The Holy Spirit isn't just there as a mute. Now, it's sometimes nice to have a friend that's just you know, there and present, and they don't really have to say a whole lot of words to really comfort and bring, bring that, that sense of companionship. But the Holy Spirit's not just there to be present. He speaks into our life. And here's what he does. He gives us Christ-centering communication. And I want us to really think about this. Because Jesus said that as the Holy Spirit would be in your life, he would speak of the things of Christ. He's going to center you on the things of Christ. He's going to remind you of all that Christ taught you. And he says that in John 14, verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have told you. Whatever I've told you, the Holy Spirit's going to remind you. He's going to bring this up. He's going to teach you these things. He's going to remind you and bring these things to your remembrance. And so he's going to impart these skills. He's going to teach you these, these points of truth. He's going to be there in the subject matter of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit being the perfect teacher, the subject matter of the Holy Spirit is always Jesus Christ. Always. Do you remember what he said over here in the book of Psalms? Do you remember as you're reading through the book of Zechariah? Do you remember what he said over here? And he's constantly bringing these things to mind. You have the teacher, you have the author of the word of God dwelling within you and dwelling you permanently and you can call on him to, um, to teach you the truths of God's word to open them up in front of your eyes and again that's, that's something that he gives to a believer and that's the joy of being a believer is, is being able to read the word of God and say ah that's what that means now notice did you notice what Jesus does with his disciples there in Luke chapter number 24 he opened up the eyes of their understanding do you know that's what the Holy Spirit does right now for you Jesus did that physically present with them, but the Holy Spirit does that right now for you. Listen, every day, you don't have to, 
We're, we're to gather together and be strengthened in the word and be strengthened together as a group of believers. This, we have learned over the last year and a half, this gathering is essential. Don't you believe that this morning? It's essential to our, our spiritual growth. But I'm telling you what, if this is the only time you open up the word, you're going to be a stunted on Christian. The Holy Spirit goes with you when you leave those doors, and he's wanting to teach you all things that, the, um, that Jesus has said. He wants to remind you the things that we learned together this morning. He's your teacher. He's that, that Christ-centering companion. He is communicating in that way. Now, the Holy Spirit does not exalt himself. The Holy Spirit does not lift up himself. One of the things that we see in the world today is a, a, an overemphasis, especially in some groups, on the Holy Spirit. And everything's about the Holy Spirit. And they talk about being slain in the Holy Spirit and, and speaking in tongues as being an evidence of the Holy Spirit. And all these different, uh, different things, they, 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 they overemphasize or, and misinterpret the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Do you know the Holy Spirit is not going to ever, he's not going to ever exalt himself in your, in your life. He's always going to exalt and magnify Jesus. His communication to you, his instruction to you, his teaching to you is always, always, always going to magnify Jesus. And that's one of the ways that we can tell whether a, a group has gotten off in that is if, if the Holy Spirit's all about the Holy Spirit or is the, is the Holy Spirit teaching you the things of Jesus. He is your teacher and he is um, the one that gives Christ-centered communication in your life. Whereas we find that in Scripture, John 15 and verse 26, but when the comforters come, whom I will send unto you, from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify, he shall testify of me. He shall testify of me. John 16, verse 13. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. How? For he shall speak, not of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he shall show you things to come. So the Holy Spirit is taking what he's heard of Jesus, what, what he has of Jesus, and he's delivering it to you through the word of Christ. So the Holy Spirit will always magnify Christ in our lives and how he teaches us. He'll always lift up Jesus Christ in the, in the word, of Christ, uh, word of God as we read it. He'll always be there. One of the marks of us walking and being in tandem with the Holy Spirit is that our lives too would magnify Christ. So if, if we're all about magnifying us, guaranteed we're not be, being filled, we're not walking with the Holy Spirit. We're not yielded to the Holy Spirit. Guaranteed. There is no way for me to promote myself and promote Jesus at the same time. The Holy Spirit is always going to lead me to glorify Jesus. Boy, that's a, that's a good indicator this week. We get stuck, stuck on talking on ourselves and exalting ourselves and defending our own reputation and really worrying about all that. Uh, listen, we've, we've gotten off focus. The Holy Spirit's always going to lead me to exalt Jesus Christ in every situation. At work, at home, every situation. And so the Holy Spirit is there to magnify Jesus Christ. And part of the way that he does that right within the church is he, he uses gifts, he gives us gifts, spiritual gifts, by which to magnify Jesus within the body. There's people here with a gift of mercy this morning. Jesus, um, the Holy Spirit is going to empower you to use that gift to magnify Jesus Christ in the body, to make Jesus Christ more known and the mercy of Jesus Christ more known. It's an amazing thing. So the Holy Spirit gives Christ-centering communication. He's always focusing us on Christ. He's always magnifying Jesus Christ. That's always what he is doing. That's his ministry to you and to me. Now, the Holy Spirit is there to comfort us like Jesus has said, John 14, all the way through John 16. But what else does he say? He has also promised to be a guide. The Holy Spirit's promise 
promise of the Holy Spirit is a promise to guide. Now think about this. Um, guides are important. Uh, I remember being in India in the mall in Kambatur, and the missionaries had been there before, and others had been there before, but they, 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 uh, they were okay with leaving my wife and I on our own to walk through the mall and to find certain things. So we were, and uh, we weren't okay with it, but we, they were okay with it. Okay, so we're walking. My wife is looking for that, you've seen that Indian dress that she, she wears from time to time, and uh, I forget all the, the specific lingo, but the, I think it's a sari. There you go. Thank you for helping me out this morning. And so she was looking for that. Well, we're going into all these different shops, and they're speaking Indian, and we're not speaking Indian. And, and the signage is, you know, you know how this is going. And so we did not have any guide with us, and we're, she's trying to express what she's looking for, this, this specific piece of fabric. And we're in this, this, this like, uh, wedding or bridal type shop because that's, that's where these things are sold. And she's trying to explain it and trying to explain it. You know, it's, it's a little bit unnerving because how they do it in there, unlike here, you go into the store, they say, hi, how are you? Welcome to the store today. Can I help you find anything? It's not how they do it in India. They actually walk with you. And uh, in several of the stores, a, a man is walking with my, with my wife, holding the things that she's picking up and getting ready to purchase. And uh, standing outside, not in, a, not in a creepy way, I was there, but standing outside, even while she goes and tries things on, standing there and just waiting for this all to get over. And so, you know, this is very, very new to us. We didn't have any guide that's saying, hey, watch out for this. Don't give them your belongings to start with. You know, we didn't have any of that. There was no guide helping us out. And you know what? We walked out of that situation, we were like, it would have been really nice to have a guide. That was a little bit different, and it's a little bit of culture shock and so on. I'm thankful that in this world, there's a lot of things that you and I don't know. There's a lot of culture shock, but the fact is, Jesus promised his disciples, no matter what you come up against, I will give you the Holy Spirit, and he is going to be your guide through every bit of it. He's going to be your guide. Now think about that. He's going to be your guide into truth. John 16, verse number 13, it says, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. Let's say that together. He will guide you into all truth. Not some truth, not partial truth, all truth. We can trust in the Holy Spirit in that way. Now, Jesus, right before he said that to his disciples, he actually said this. He said, guys, I have many things I want to say to you, but you're not able to bear them right now. And so I'm going to give you the spirit of truth, and he's going to guide you into all truth. Aren't you thankful this morning? Part of that guiding work is by him um, um, uh, continuing to reveal his word as he bore along holy men of God to write down the word of God so that we can have it today. Aren't you thankful for that? That's what next Sunday is about. I love the Bible Sunday. We're going to gather together and learn a whole lot of stuff that maybe you didn't know about the word of God, how we got it and why it's so important in our life, what the Holy Spirit was doing and, and how he was functioning in, in, the, uh, in, in a part of that process. What an amazing thing. And so he, he's telling his disciples, I have a lot of things to tell you, but the Holy Spirit's going to help you along the rest of the way. He's going to guide you into all truth. What an amazing promise that that is. Uh, it, it's easy right now to get uh, sidetracked with a lot of deception and error, isn't it? Like, what in the world's true? You ever feel that way? What in the world? Who's telling the truth anymore? Do you know the Holy Spirit is given to us to guide us into all truth? And I believe, because all, truth is ultimately God's, I believe the Holy Spirit can even guide us into understanding what's true and not true practically 
as we watch the news and as we see things, even as we learn this morning. Do you know what the Holy Spirit did for us this morning? He helped us understand, oh, you know what? Back in the book of Psalms, back in the book of Genesis, there's some things that I've already said about the nation of Israel. And here's what you ought to be thinking about that. Isn't that amazing how the Holy Spirit does that? And in our hearts, we're like, oh yeah, that's what God's word says. I believe it. I, I see that right there. And so he's there to guide us into all truth. That guide is to be that, that motivating factor, that motivating force, that motivating presence in someone's life and actions. He's there to guide us, to help us along. This is the way you ought to go. Now, um, this is the word, this, this guide, is the same word that the Ethiopian eunuch used in Acts chapter 8 and verse number 31 when Philip asked him, hey, do you understand what you're reading there in the book of Isaiah? And he says, how can I accept some man guide me? It's the same word, the same word. And so what is the Holy Spirit going to do? He's going to be that guide. Here's what you need to believe. Here's the passage of scripture you need to understand. Here's where you need to go. This is what you need to do. And that's what the Holy Spirit is going to do. He's going to guide us into all truth. He is the spirit of truth, meaning he is the source of all truth. God is the source of all truth. And he is able, by his spirit, to guide you and me into that truth. And so praise God, our comforter, who guides us in the truth every day. Praise God. You are not left alone. You are not alone in this world. You're not alone in the, in the, in the, the ocean of deception that's going on around us. You're not alone. The Holy Spirit is there. Trust in him. Seek him. You say, I don't know what decision to make. The Holy Spirit does. I, I'm not sure who or what to believe. He already does know who or what to believe. And he can tell you. He can direct you in that way through his word. I'm not sure what God wants me to do. He does. He will guide you. I'm not sure what to say to my child. They're, they're wayward. He does. He will guide you. He will help you on through that process. He will guide into all truth. But it's not just guiding into all truth. He's going to guide you into living a life that's aligned with truth. And I would say that is called living a life of holiness. And so he's going to guide you into all truthful living, a guidance into holiness. The Bible says... In Galatians 5, verse number 16, this I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You know the Holy Spirit is interested in you living a life that aligns with the truth of God's Word? It's all truth. This week, you and I, we have some tendencies, don't we? We have some tendencies to get arrogant. We have some tendencies to be unkind. We have some tendencies to let people have a piece of our mind, Right? We have different tendencies like that. We have tendencies to think higher of ourselves than we ought to. We have tendencies to, in our relationships, to make it all revolve around us, right? Do you know what the Holy Spirit's going to do? He's going to guide us. Don't go that way. Don't say that again, husband. You've said that before, and it never worked out before. Uh, Don't say that again. He's going to guide us into right words right? And all you guys say, boy, I need the Holy Spirit this week, you know, and, I, and, and all the wives said, amen, amen. They need the Holy Spirit, right? We all do. Wives, by the way, you need the Holy Spirit too. And all the husbands say, they're not too sure about that. We all do. He guides us into holy living, to truth-filled living, to living that's according to truth. He takes the word of God and says, hey, match it with this. That's what you need to do. Did you notice what it said there in Galatians 5.16? Walk in the Spirit. What's walk? Taking repeated steps. So as the Holy Spirit says, do this. Okay, yes, sir. As the Holy Spirit says, don't do that. Oh, I won't do that. 
And everything he tells us to do, we, we obey. Repeated steps. Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Do you know it's impossible to sin when I'm obeying the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit will always, always help us to say no to sin and yes to, yes to God's word. I want us to think about this. Sin always grieves the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's not a force. You notice in the Bible, it does not call the Holy Spirit, refer to the Holy Spirit as an it. He's a he. The Holy Spirit is a person who can be grieved, who can help us throughout the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is, is noted as a person, just like Jesus is. He can be grieved, uh, grieved by our sin and is grieved by our sin. Ephesians 4 and verse number 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. Now, what happens when I don't follow that and I let corrupt communication come out of my mouth? Here's what happens. Next verse. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Okay? So when I speak in a corrupt way, I grieve the Holy Spirit every time. Sin always grieves the Holy Spirit. You know what sin, what dishonesty does to you. You find out dishonesty in someone else's life that's been perpetrated against you, you know how that grieves your soul. It just causes your heart to, to clench up. It hurts. The Holy Spirit hurts when we sin. Uh, being controlled by the Holy Spirit will always lead you away from sin. It says in Ephesians 5 and verse number 18, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Many people will interpret that verse and say, well, as long as I don't get drunk, you know, because it's just excessive drinking. You know what the word excess means? It means it, it, it's talking about the, the all ungodliness or all debauchery. Okay, so in drinking and even taking that first step, which I have... I, I believe, biblically, I can make a pretty good case that the Bible says don't even take, don't even look at the, um, the stuff when it's, when it's fermenting, when it's alcoholic. Don't even look at it. Uh, it's, it's not wise to go after that. The book of Proverbs talks to us a whole lot about that. But the Bible says here, don't be drunk with wine. Well, you say, well, uh, uh, drunkenness is after, the, is after the sixth can. No, drunkenness is from the first moment you start putting a fermented product in your body. And there's science to prove. We're in a world of um, believe the science. Well, let's believe the actual science about when you start taking an alcohol, you are, getting, you are becoming buzzed. It's not a cliff that you fall off of. It's a gradual, gradual slide. You, be, you, you are becoming drunk. But inside of drunkenness, do you know what it is? It's a gateway to all debauchery, to all excess, to all riotous living. Many people will do things that they never thought of doing when they're drunk. And God says, don't do that, believer. And every believer in here ought to say, you know what? I'm going to stop believing what the world says. I'm going to stop playing around with this. If I got beer in my fridge, it's going out tonight. Right? And not, not tonight. It's going out at 1230. Right? It's going down the toilet. And I'm not going to sell it on, on Facebook to somebody else and help them out with that. I, why? Because the Bible says that there is a curse to those that give drink to their neighbors. So in other words, a believer ought not serve at a bar. Right? Right, because I'm giving something to someone else that's going to destroy their life. So what should a believer do? Be not drunk with wine. Don't even start. But be filled with the Spirit. Now we're not talking about the indwelling here. We're talking about the filling, the fresh expression of the Holy Spirit. Actually, the idea of filling is, is the idea of intoxicated. 
so be controlled by. So don't be intoxicated. Don't be controlled by a drink. Don't be controlled by the alcohol and that wine. Don't be controlled there. Don't even dabble with it, believer. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why did God, why did God use that illustration? Because it's so relevant. You know, how would it have changed Noah's life if he had chosen to listen to the Holy Spirit or listen to God and not, not take the first drink? Changed his family. Oh, there's a deep scar. Go back right after the flood. God used Noah in such an amazing way, and you know what? Booze took him out. They didn't call it booze back then, but it took him out. It brought a horrible scar on his family. Got drunk, and what happens? Well, the Bible doesn't even actually mention the sin. It only alludes to the sin. It's so bad. It's just junk. And how did he get there? Through alcohol. It's not even worth starting. Put it away. Don't even, don't even allow it into your house. Um, I'm thankful my, my dad never questioned about, about that. I know probably before salvation, he, he probably um, dealt with that. But afterwards, no, no, no. It wasn't even allowed in our house. Why? Because God puts it on, he says it, it's an opposite thing. Don't be drunk with wine, be filled with the Spirit. Be in, controlled by the Holy Spirit. So being controlled by the Spirit will always lead me away from sin. Then I want you to think about this. The Holy Spirit will always lead me into holy living, not just away from sin. So sometimes people get all caught up in, oh, I'm not, I don't do that, and I don't do that, and I don't do that. Good, what do you do? You know? Well, the Holy Spirit's always going to lead me into holy living. That's always where he's going to guide me, and he's, he's going to help me with that. I'm thankful for that promise, because I need the Holy Spirit to help me into holy living, because it's not natural for my flesh. It goes against my flesh. So think about this. The, the promise of comfort, the promise of guidance, boy, those are two great things, companionship, that, um, that guidance. But what about, what is Jesus telling his disciples here in this last few moments right before he goes back to heaven? What's he telling to them? He says, listen, I'm going to give you power. I'm going to give you power. And so notice there in verse number 49, and I will send you uh, the, and I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in Jerusalem, in the city of Jerusalem, until you be endued with power from on high. And so I want you to think about this promise that he's given to me is a promise of power. Back uh, in May 2019, you remember the tornadoes that came through? That was, that was a mess, and we're still cleaning up from that, right? I mean, it, it, people are still getting their lives together from that. But uh, this map that you're seeing right now is a picture of the, um, of the outage map and uh, where, where people are just out of power for, what was it? I know at our house it was close to a week, but some people were far more than that. And um, you know what's amazing is when you're out of power, how many of you are with me, like you go and you switch, you switch, <laughs> what's going on here? And it's just so intuitive, we just so believe there's going to be, um, be light when we flip that switch. But without that electricity, there's, there's nothing. There's no enablement for that light without the electricity. I mean, we can flip that switch all day long, and there's no enablement. There's no vacuuming power. There's no enablement for that vacuum to pick up dirt without the electricity. And you know what? This matter of power was very, very crucial. Jesus had given them a call. He had given them something to do, a task to do, but they could not do it without the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. And so before he leaves, he's like, we've, we've talked a lot of, uh, uh, about a lot of things, but guys, I just want you to know, go back to Jerusalem, wait, 
Now, by the way, they didn't wait without activity. They were in the temple praising God and rejoicing. So go back there, wait until you be endued with power from on high. What was this power? It was power to witness. Because that's what he says over in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost shall come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. Well, here he says in verse 48, you are witnesses of these things. Now go back to Jerusalem, wait for the power, wait for the power of God to come upon you to endue you with power so that you can accomplish your mission. I would imagine as the disciples thought, well, Jesus was here, it's easy to, it's easy to preach his name while he's here and he's walking with us and we can always go back and talk to him about anything that's on our heart. But here he says, no, listen, guys, I'm going to give you power, I'm going to give you the enablement uh, to do what I've asked you to do, even though I'm not here. I'm giving you that power until you be endued, until this, this impartation of power comes upon you. Uh, it's the idea of being clothed with power. It is this indwelling power that the Holy Spirit would give us, and as they yielded to the Holy Spirit, who in, would indwell them, they would experience the power of God over and over and over again. And we see that all throughout the book of Acts. They were indwelt. And then again and again, they would pray and they would seek God and he would fill them with the Holy Spirit. He would just give them a fresh, uh, the fresh empowering as they submitted to him. Um, it's interesting, this, this word endued has the idea of to be clothed um, with. And I, the best illustration I can really think of is, you know, uh, sometimes you'll be going through the grocery store or going through town and you might, you might brush past a guy who, or a lady who is a police officer but they're not, they're not badged, they're not, they're not wearing a uniform, and uh, they're just, just like you, walking through the grocery, getting, getting their salad and getting their, you know, their different, different grocery items or cereal for the, the morning breakfast and so on. And they, they are just another person, but you know, they go into work, they go into the locker room, and they put on that uniform, and they put on that badge, and in fact, at their swearing ends, they get a badge for their their hat and they get a badge for their their chest and they talk about that with these badges you have you have power you have authority it's not yours you you're a steward of it you are a minister of it but it's that in doing with power and that's the the picture of the holy spirit that they were to wait there until they received the indwelling holy spirit by which they would fulfill the ministry that jesus christ had given them listen you do not go out into this world to preach Jesus Christ in your own authority or in your own power. You, by the Holy Spirit of God, need to be endued, are endued with power, clothed with power. And we realize that as we yield to him, and as we are filled with him in every single, uh, every single moment. And so that's why it's so important to be walking in the Holy Spirit. The supernatural power is what they needed. The supernatural enablement is what they needed in order to carry out the mission of Christ. That's what you need to carry out the mission of Christ. In your homes, dads, that's what you need. Moms, that's what you need in your homes. and That's what we all need in our workplace. Everywhere we are, we need the enablement of God. But you shall receive power. And he says to witness, to, to declare what God has done in your life. I can't even tell my own story without the power of God. I need it. Maybe you have somebody in your life you feel like, I've, I've tried to witness over and over uh, to them, and they just don't seem to be catching it. Friends, can I just encourage you, not, not in any way doubting your heart to witness, can I encourage you, before you seek that opportunity again, talk to God and say, I need your power. Would you give me the words to say that are enabled by you to get to that heart? Would you make an eternal difference in this life? Now, they, they have to accept it. 
but oh, how we need to be spirit-empowered, enabled believers, witnessing of the things of Christ. And without it, we're nothing. We really do not accomplish uh, anything. God will bless his truth, but we're, um, we're, it, we're very, very ineffective in that way. And so he says, I'm going to give you a power to witness, but notice John 16, verse number 8. Uh, there's a power to win. And I want to just notice, as we bring this down to a close, I want us to notice something that Jesus says when he was teaching his disciples. John 16, verse number 8. When he has come, he, the Holy Spirit, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He'll reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. What is this idea of this reproving? It is the idea to convince, to convince in the heart. He is emphatic in this verse, being he, uh, and only he can do this. I cannot, I cannot convince a person of their sin. I cannot convince a person of their, their need for righteousness. I cannot convince a person of their accountability before God. He can. Now notice John 16, verses 9 through 12, of sin, because they believe not on me. So I cannot prove to a person that they are lost in their sins because they've not yet believed on Jesus. I can't do that, but the Holy Spirit can. Of righteousness because I go to the Father and, see, and they see me no more. I can't prove to them that Jesus Christ is righteous. They can't see him. He's not in front of them. It's a spiritual matter that, that I'm communicating to them. I can't prove this to them. Uh, you can't prove this to them, but the Holy Spirit can. And then lastly, of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. Hey, Satan is judged, and all those that follow him will be judged. So here's the three things that Jesus, um, the Holy Spirit does in the life of the unbeliever. He doesn't empower them and comfort them, but what he does do he convinces them of their personal sinfulness. He convinces them of Christ's righteousness. I can't do that. Neither can you. How many times have you heard uh, people say when you're witnessing, you know, I'm a pretty good person, right? I'm a pretty good person. No, they have to be convinced that only Jesus is a good person. Only Jesus is righteous. Until they come to that understanding, there's no, there's no salvation. And then he convinces them of total accountability that even Satan himself and all those that follow after him will be judged or are judged. They were judged at the cross and, and, and the, the ramifications of that are, are in process, if you will. So he convinces these, uh, these people of the spiritual realities that are, um, that, that are found in God's word. I can't do that. The Holy Spirit does the work in the sinner's heart. We simply declare the word and he performs the work. That's his job. And friends, how will that change the way that you look at your coworkers? Well, I can't say something to them. They won't believe me. No, 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 no. You got it wrong. You declare the word as God opens up the opportunity and expect God to do the work. Don't look at yourself as, as uh, you know, some great orator or I, I can do this. No, we all know we can't. And many times that's what keeps us from witnessing in the first place. But how about this? If I know that the Holy Spirit is going to take the word that I, I say and I leave them with John 3.16 or, or Romans 10.13 or Acts 16.31 or uh, the, what the Bible says in, in Romans chapter 5 about being justified and justification coming from, from God himself. If I leave them with the word, you know what? I can expect the Holy Spirit in their drive home is going to be talking to him. And he's saying, you know that guy that you just met? There's something to that. You know, that's, that's true. And he's going to be convincing their heart. Do you know something that helps me as a preacher? Because ultimately, I can't convince anybody. The best message could be preached. In fact, the worst message can be preached. And you know what the Holy Spirit does with his word? He takes his word, his truth, and says, that's right, and that's for you. 
you know what a, you know what an incredible load lift that is for me as a believer and for you too? Jesus is telling his disciples, listen, I, I'll do the work. You just, you just, you go be the mouthpiece. I'll do the work. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Now, one last verse I want to give to you. And I know this is maybe a little bit more of a teaching message, but I, I wanted to help us with the matter of the Holy Spirit. John 16, verse number 7. Turn there with me, would you? Or at least get it in front of you. John 16, verse number 7. How's it good for Jesus to go back to heaven? Well, it's very good. Very good. And he said this. He says, nevertheless, John 16, verse number 7, I tell you a truth. When Jesus speaks truth, like Brother Wayne said a moment ago, uh, well, it's always true. God cannot lie. Amen? Amen? So nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient. It's good. It's going to be helpful for you that I go away. Wait a minute. You're our friend. You're our comforter. You're our, our companion. You're our guide. Jesus, why is it good for you to go away? For if I go not away, do you see this? The comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Do you know what Jesus told his disciples that has bearing on us today? When he went back to heaven, it was good for all Christians and all his body that he went away. Because, because he went away, he sent his, his Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit that indwelt Peter, James, John, Matthew, the same Spirit, get this, the same Spirit that indwelled and empowered Peter on the day of Pentecost indwells you. That's amazing, friends. These aren't super Christians. These are indwelt Christians. These are Christians like you and me that need indwelt and that need and, and that happens at salvation. We need to be filled by the Holy Spirit and it changes everything. Think about Peter before, before Pentecost. Last week we talked about Peter being restored on the seashore of Galilee. Boy, you talk about a, a man with his shoulders slumped. Talk about a man who had really blown it, but we come to Pentecost. We come to the day where he stands up in the temple court and becomes declaring Jesus. What changed it? Before, he couldn't even stand up for Jesus around a campfire to a servant girl. And now he preaches to thousands and thousands and thousands and 3,000 people come to Jesus Christ. What changed? The Holy Spirit. Friends, we way underestimate the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I do. Friends, something that has been becoming more and more of a reality to me, the further I journey with Jesus, is I need him so bad. If you could come with me in the, the quiet moments of praying from thing to thing, it's often this repeated phrase, God, I just need you. I need you. And that's where he wants us to be. He wants us to grow in that. And so I encourage you to take these things and revel in the promise of the comfort of the Holy Spirit the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the power that is yours in the Holy Spirit of God. And he is in your life as a believer. Does he have your surrender? Are you surrendered to him this morning? You say, I don't have the Holy Spirit. Well, you can today. You can trust in Jesus Christ. And I invite you to do that. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the Holy Spirit. And I thank you for this, this truth that you've taught your disciples over and over again. And we ask that right now you would help us to understand these truths and to practice them in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.